0: is tonight. So if you're in the choir uh, tonight, and then also probably last chance to join the choir, uh, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, But we uh, want you back here tonight. We're going to have our run through and the next Sunday. I encourage you to to certainly be here for Easter Sunday and get to hear uh, what the choir has been working on. So uh, let's pray this morning and ask the Lord to bless us. God, we come to you this day. Thank you for uh, your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we thank you for uh, blessing us with a new day of life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, today, as we gather, Lord, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, that we would have right hearts and motives and actions, Lord, that, that we would lay every care and concern down at your feet today, Lord, not to be burdened and not to be distracted, but God, to be united together in worship of you. Lord, you're worthy of, of worship, Lord, you're worthy of honor and glory and praise forever and forever. God, help us to have just a glimpse of heaven even this morning, God. God, I pray that we would sing with our whole hearts. God, that we would glorify You. I pray that today, that as Your Word is preached, that You would fill me with the Spirit, that Your Word would be proclaimed, and that You would accomplish what You set forth. Lord, that hearts would be opened up to Your Word. God, that there would be good soil to receive Your Word. God, that the Gospel would be proclaimed. Lord, if there's one today who needs to be saved, God, I pray that You would save them, convict them of sin, draw them uh, to repentance and faith. Lord, if there's one who needs encouragement today, God, or, or, or whatever the need might be, Lord, I pray that You would meet that need as only You can. God, we thank You for the work of revival that we've been having over the past few few weeks and in this past week, Lord, as we met for revival meetings. I pray that we would continue to see you do a great work uh, as we move forward, Lord. Help us be obedient to you. We love and we thank you for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. Please stand if you're able. And in hymn number 493, Glory to His Name. Bible tells us in Hebrew 9, 22, toward the end of the verse, Without shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness without the pure, perfect, sinless, holy blood of the Lord Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. Glory to his name. Savior died downward for cleansing from sin. I cried, there to my heart was the blood of God. Thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge into day and be made complete. Glory. song is nothing but the blood, hymn number 337. Bible tells us in 1 John 1-7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. I like that word all. Amen. That's every bit of it. Amen. All through our lifetime. Nothing but the blood. What can but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the Redeemer. In 1 Corinthians 1:30, it tells us Christ Jesus has become our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There is a redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. i Some- be seated turn around look left right look in front of you wave at everybody and I'm glad to see everybody here this morning and after you do all that and share a smile if you didn't smile don't We can't see it all right (laughs) you may be seated thank y'all thank y'all a bunch okay now we have some special music by Mr. Larry Davis come on Mr. Larry
2: My life had no meaning Till I heard about Calvary Then I knelt down in prayer The Lord met me there Now Jesus is living in me He's in my feet when I'm walking In my tongue when I'm talking, in my eyes, and now I can see. He's in the songs that I'm singing, in my heart a joy is ringing, Jesus is living. He has brought me to the top of the mountain Over life's trouble sea Now I sing for his glory Songs that tell a great story Cause Jesus is living in me He's in my when I'm walking in my tongue, when I'm talking in my eyes, and now I can see, He's in the songs that I'm singing, in my heart the joy is ringing. 4th, 1996. J.L. probably remembers that. Uh, Danny Beasley, I know because he was there. You know. Uh, Visitation, church visitation. Going out and uh, taking the gospel to people that were lost. And I was one of them. Thank God for this uh, church ministry. And uh, that night, they came to visit this old center. And God saved me by his grace. Uh, Praise the Lord.
1: Amen. Praise Him for His great salvation. Really appreciate that testimony, but wasn't that song good? Let's give Him another hand. That blessed my heart. Amen. Well, I'm going to put you back to work. Y'all got to stand back up again, now, if you're able, if you're able. Well, wait a minute. I got to pray first. I forgot about that. <laughs> we got to pray. Amen. That's a very important thing here. So pray with me. now. Remember... As I pray for our pastor, Lord willing, I won't forget, but he needs prayer this morning. He's struggling with his voice, and I, I thank the Lord's going to help him. Let's, uh, let's ask the Lord together in unison, in unity, and ask God to help our, our good pastor. Amen. Pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day, and thank you for your love that our pastor shared with us in uh, Sunday school, and Lord, we can't truly love unless we know you as lord and savior and then we truly find out what love is and help us lord to love like you love help us to live like you want us to forgive us our shortcomings and our failures and help us to be in one mind one accord and love one another like we should we lift up our pastor to you this morning lord he's having allergies and sinus and everything going on there it's his season and Been there and done that, and we ask, Lord, you'd help him and touch his voice and his uh, uh, nasal passages and everything about him, Lord. We just pray, Lord, you'd touch him and provide, uh, Lord, strength and stamina and boldness and, uh, Lord, liberty. And ask, Lord, you'd just help him to make it through the message here and uh, with power from on high. And we just ask, Lord, you'd anoint him and touch him. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for all this accomplished here today. Continue to bless and help in the singing part of the service. And uh just want to tell you we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you can stand. In Christ alone, if you're able, you can stand. I understand some people, sometimes I don't, I'm not able to stand. You know, but... Uh, most time I do, and praise the Lord that I that I am able. So but for those of you you that can't, that's perfectly all right. God knows he understands. In Christ alone is the name of our next song, and the Bible tells us in first Corinthians three eleven for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is, and you know that you know who that is. Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Christ alone. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength. drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. alone who took on flesh fullness of God There. you to pray for him as he
0: delivers the sermon. God's message. Amen. What a beautiful time of worship this morning and uh, to to gather and to sing and I appreciate that testimony, dear brother, too. Amen. That's two Sundays in a row that people done felt led to give testimonies and I tell you, it's not a bad thing. Uh, Amen. All right. For a few of you, they got something out of it. The rest of y'all, somebody testifies next week, you'll get it then. Okay. Hey, we ought to testify a little bit. We ought to, if we're saved and we know it, right? If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. I mean, I mean, we ought to tell somebody about Jesus. We ought to be excited, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Thank you for that. Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 21 this morning. Matthew chapter 21. Let me look at verses one through eleven as our introduction this morning. Okay, and you're thinking. You dummy, your voice ain't good, and you're going to try to preach two messages? No. <laughs> it's just one message is the introduction, and the second message is the, that's the message, all right? You'll, you'll see in a minute. Today is Palm Sunday. Right, next week being Easter. Uh, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that we celebrate next week. But you know something? You know why you're gathered here today? Anybody know? Because Jesus is alive! We just sung about it. He's alive! We've been saved by what He's done for us. Uh, he is alive and reigning forevermore. He ain't got to die no more. He ain't going to die no more. And one day you and I, we might die on this earth, but to live as Christ, and die is gain, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, our death is victory. And to leave this world is to go see the one who bought and paid for our salvation, the one who rose from the dead. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. That's why we meet on Sundays, that's why we gather. You know, something, we celebrate Christmas and Easter right and we get all excited about Christmas we decorate out the wazoo for that thing we give gifts we have you know food and dinners the whole thing we do the same thing for Easter but you know what you should do the same thing day shouldn't we why every Sunday is a celebration of what Jesus has done every day should be a time to celebrate what Jesus has done and accomplished for us today I want us to look at the entry of Palm Sunday into Jerusalem, there, just a few short days away from the Lord Jesus Christ dying on that cross for our sins, and here this day, this moment, this crowd would be a whole lot different. But today we're going to be looking at something very much in, in particular, and that is Jesus, the burden bearer. Let's read here, Matthew chapter twenty-one, verse number one. It says when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. They sent Jesus' two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall uh, find an, an ash tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let us pray. God, we come to you this morning. Thank you for the worship lifted, for the testimony, for the fellowship that we've had. God, I pray, Lord, that you would now help us to continue to worship you in the fellowship through your word. Through the preaching of it, God, give me strength, my voice, my heart, my mind, Lord. And just clear me of any distraction. God, fill me and allow me to preach your word boldly and accurately. God, that we would receive today what we need, Lord. God, if there's someone who needs to be saved today, God, please save them. If there's someone who needs conviction, convict them. If there's someone who needs restoration, restore them. If there's someone who needs encouragement, encourage them today, Lord. God, whatever the need might be, you know every heart. Just meet the need of this place today, God, and fill us with your presence. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look here at this chapter, uh, with this little passage, for just a few moments this morning. Here, as he comes in, there's fulfilling of prophecy that's taking place that we're going to see in just a moment. But notice it says, "The Lord had need of them, and straightway He will send them." Talking about this adult donkey and the colt, the the young, the foal of an ass is the idea of. There's a baby donkey, right? There's a little baby boy donkey. And this is what Jesus is going to write in. And we see the phrase, that the Lord hath need of them. Some might look at that and think, well, this is a long journey that he's on. It's not. It's about a two-mile journey he's going on. Walking two miles for them won't, won't nothing, right? Walking two miles for us nowadays, right, we're not so keen on that, are we, right? Unless we're doing it on purpose or somebody's chasing us, we're going to hop in a car, ain't we, All right? Now, granted, I live about half a mile from here, but you know something, there's a white Chevy pickup out there that brought me here for a reason. Uh, right? Now he's not in need because physically he, he's incapable of doing this walk or this trek. He's in need because this is fulfilling a prophecy of Zechariah. Zechariah nine, 9 Which here tells us that the king has come and he, he cites it and quotes it here in verse number 5. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, but sitting upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. The king has come. And what the people are going to do that day is feel as if they're bringing in the kingdom. Feel as if they're bringing in the king, but the king has come, but in just a few short days there's going to be another crowd that's going to cry out. They're not going to want that king. As a matter of fact, they're going to even be appalled that he would be crucified as the king of the Jews. They would even be appalled, so appalled that he's not our king. The issue here of this day is that Jesus had come unto his own and his own received him not. He came as a king, but they didn't want him to rule. He did not come to overthrow the Roman government. He did not come to set up shop quite yet. He came to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. But I want you to know this also foreshadows another great day. Christ is coming again. He's come once. He came, He died, He was buried and He rose again. But He didn't stay dead, He won't stay gone. He's coming back again. The King is coming. Do you know Him? Are you prepared for such a day? For those of us who know Christ... If the King were to come today, it would be a glorious day. wouldn't It should be. It should be a day full of shouting. A day full of rejoicing because our King has come to rule. And want you know though, while Christ has not come back on this earth quite yet, He still yet rules and reigns right now. He still also intercedes on the behalf of every, every saved soul that has ever come to Him. But what I want to look at today in this passage especially, and then we're going to move on, He's a burden bearer. Here there's so much attention and in the typical Palm Sunny message is preached on the last few verses of this little passage that we read. The multitude that went before and they, they're cutting down branches from the trees and they're strawing out the way. They're, they're making this grand entrance for Him. And they're crying out, great multitude. Did y'all know how much a multitude is? A multitude. Uh, we, I don't know how much is in there. It's a great number of people. It's a whole bunch of folks, and they're excited about one person, and they're excited about Jesus. They're excited about Jesus coming in because they believe at this point, during the week of the Passover, if there's ever been a Messiah fervor, if there's ever been a time where they're anticipating uh, uh, the Christ, the the prophecies to be fulfilled, it was now. And it would be fulfilled, but not in the way in which they expected. Here they cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they're all sorts of excited. Even then, the others in Jerusalem, the city says it's moved. Who is this? What's going on? Could this be the king? Could this be the one to re- redeem us from them old Romans? Could this be the one to make things right, the things that are wrong? I want to focus in on this prophecy where he comes riding in on this humble little donkey. See, the, this coming into a city on a donkey was different than coming in on a big old white horse. Coming in on chariots is a whole lot different than riding a young baby donkey. But he comes for a reason. Notice, and you can go back to Zechariah 9 9 and read, he does this because the king comes with this is not a king who comes with the entrance of a typical king. He comes as one who is humble and meek and lowly at heart because that's who Jesus is. But he comes as well is the one who is going to be sitting upon a beast of a burden. The beast of burden here, this, this donkey was used not for fighting great wars, but he was used for plowing fields. He was used for carrying heavy loads. That was his life. You see, that donkey would have a pretty good life if people didn't load him up with burdens. That donkey would have a, a whole lot of, uh, of, of probably joy, but you know something, his life is carrying and bearing burdens that don't belong to him. He doesn't own fields, but He's got to help plow them. He doesn't own coats, garments, and heavy trunks or furniture, but He's got to carry it. What we're going to see here is that the Lamb of God is going to become a beast of burden for us. At Jesus here, this donkey, becomes this beast of burden as He is simply just holding the clothes, the, the outer garments, if you will, is the idea, their coats, and they lay upon them, and then they lay upon the the young colt, the foal of, the, of the, the ass as he calls here, and, and Jesus is set then there on and is, they're riding through, surrounded by the disciples and there's others in the way who are laying down these palm branches and crying out. I mean, what a scene this would be. Many churches reenact it as best we can, but I don't think we can reenact this thing. Now, this is quite something, but it's not going to turn out the way that they expect, nor the way that they hope. Because in a few short days, there's going to be a different crowd. In a few short days, Jesus is not going to be sitting upon a throne, but instead he's going to be laying on a cross, lifted up, bleeding, and bearing the weight of our sin. This donkey has one load They're carrying clothes, the coats. He's carrying the Lamb of God. I don't know if this donkey has a clue what he's doing. I don't know that this donkey knows that he's a part of fulfilling a great prophecy. I don't know that these people even understand that they're watching prophecy being fulfilled. I don't know that these folks truly understand the magnitude of what is taking place in this moment and on that day. I don't know that they understand that this little load that this donkey's carrying of just a man and some coats, that in a few short days that man is going to be carrying a much greater load. Turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. This is our message today. Jesus, our burden bearer. First Peter chapter number two. Verse number 21. What Peter's doing here in this passage is he's talking about the suffering servant, but he's telling his believer, the believers that he's writing to, how to suffer. I want you to know we are called to live in victory, but we're also called to have victory as we suffer. Our life is full of ups and downs, but you know something? Jesus did not ever tell us that He's going to promise us health, wealth, and prosperity. I don't care what the folks on TV tell you. It might sell books and it might get ratings, but it's not the Bible. Jesus actually told His disciples and told His followers, if you're going to follow Me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow Me. And by the way, the cross at that time was not a pretty cross from Hobby Lobby. It wasn't a cross that you wore around your neck that looked nice and decorative, it meant you're going to carry the mechanism of death. You're going to carry the weight of a wooden, rugged crossbeam. You're going to carry the instrument of a death for a criminal, for one who is despised, one who is hated, one who is ridiculed openly and publicly mocked and killed. You're going to carry the weight of What is identified as the most painful process of public execution known to man? It's not quite thought of it that way anymore. But you know something? The early church knew what it meant to suffer. The Christians around the world today, and I'm not talking about here, but the ones who are suffering, they know how to suffer and they suffer well. We don't know what suffering is quite yet. Sure, we have tribulations, we have sufferings in our life, but we don't know what it quite means to suffer for Jesus. But here, Peter is encouraging them in how to do so. Because Jesus is the greatest example of what it means to suffer. He is called the suffering servant in Isaiah, and we'll see that in just a few moments. But I want us to look here. Verse number 21-25 through 25 says, "...for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps, who did no sin... Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls over in Matthew we saw that beast of burden and what we find here is the bishop of our souls we find one who bears our burden for us and it's much more than a donkey carrying some coats and a man Jesus carries something far greater look at this verse 21 it says Christ also suffered for us from the very beginning of Jesus' life there was suffering in the very moment he entered into the world, there were those who sought to kill him. He came not into a rich family. He was not born in a palace. He was born in a place where they were not looking for a king to be born. You know, right? We're talking about a place where there's animals. We're talking about stables. We're talking about out in the wilderness. We're talking about a place in a man who would later in his ministry say the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes. Birds got nests. i got no place to lay my head. He, he knew that this earthly life of which he lived for us was temporary, and it was to accomplish something of a greater purpose than what you and I often can fathom. The purpose that he came to suffer, by the way, was not because he had done any wrong, not because he had done anything evil or wicked. Those who suffer often suffer because of our own wrongdoing. I know when I suffer, most of the time when I suffer, it's because of my own sinfulness, my own selfishness. We bring suffering upon ourselves sometimes, and there's other suffering that just happens. There's other suffering that we cannot prevent. There's suffering that comes into our world and we go, why in the world is this even happening? But Jesus in every suffering, in every situation He ever faced in this earthly life, He had nothing to deserve an ounce of suffering. Yet, notice that He suffered for us. The idea is that not only that He suffered for us, meaning on our behalf, but because of us. The reason why Jesus suffered and died on the cross was not because He had done a wrong. It was not because... He was full of sin. It was not because He was a murderer or an idolater or anything that He was ever accused of. It was because I am those things and you are those things. It's because of our sin. As that donkey carries Jesus into town, that donkey is carrying a weight that doesn't belong to Him. The rest of the time in that donkey's life, that's what He's going to do. He's going to carry the burdens of others. That's all He knows. And what Jesus has done for us is to carry a burden that did not belong to Him, but He's the only one that could carry it. Jesus bore a burden that was ours to carry, but we couldn't carry it. It was ours to pay for, but we couldn't pay it. Here He says, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth idea here, and it's referred back to Isaiah 53.9, and we'll go there in just a moment. He did no sin. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is wickedness. It is disobedience. Never was there ever a time in Jesus' life that He did sin nor could sin. He was the sinless one of God, yet He died for those who were sinful. He was righteous, yet He died for the unrighteous. He was holy, but He died for the unholy. Neither was guile found in his mouth, the idea of lying or deceit. Not only was he not lawless, but he was not a liar. And there's many who accuse him of such. How can you call God your father? How can you say that you were before Abraham? You must be a liar or a lunatic. And I want you to know: Jesus is no liar or lunatic, Jesus is Lord. That's who he is, that's who he was long before he came to this world. That's who He will be long after this world is gone. He did not lie. He did not revile. Look at this in verse 23. When He was reviled, reviled not again. We often forget this, that Jesus was not only crucified, but He was accused unjustly. He faced a a mock trial that was wicked and illegal in all sense of, of, of legality. It was wrong. They should not have done it. But yet it happened. It was unjust. And yet He took it. And in the middle of being reviled, He reviled not back. Meaning this, as those cursed Him and accused Him and spat upon Him, not one time did He spit back. Not one time did He accuse back. And if anyone could have done so justly, it was Jesus. Because in that room of that judgment hall, there was none who was just except for Jesus. There was none who was righteous except for Jesus, and instead of giving those folks what for and what they deserve, he opens not his mouth. A sheep being led to the slaughter. It says when he suffered, he threatened not. Boy, you let one of us suffer a little bit, or someone does us just a a hair of something wrong, we're going to let them know about it, ain't we? Somebody cuts you off on the way to Walmart. Oh, that's right. You want to see a sanctified preacher? Cut me off one time. right? How about this? In Walmart, cut me off with your buggy. You'll really see some sanctification there. No, not quite so. He is reviled, but He reviles not. And He suffers and He does not threaten back. You know something? This is the same One who spoke the world into existence. The same hands that formed and fashioned folks in their mother's womb the same hands that would be pierced for them, the same hands that sustain this world even now to this day, the same hands that are extended to every sinner to come and to experience salvation, the same hands that one day you and I will see. Instead of threatening Him, He commits Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Remember one of the cries on the cross. Father forgive them they don't know not what they do. Father into thy hands I commit my spirit. What we see is that this whole time as Jesus is suffering unjustly as Jesus is suffering not for any wrong that he has done but for every wrong that I have ever done. He doesn't quit, he doesn't threaten. He doesn't revile, but He commits Himself to Him that judges righteously. Why? Because He is doing the business and the will of His Father. Hold your place here and turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. This whole passage that Peter is writing is almost verbatim quoting or being built upon what Isaiah, the Gospel of Isaiah 53 has given to us. Isaiah 53 tells us, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. Meaning this, and what, what took place in Jesus' day was He comes in, they believed that a Messiah, a Redeemer, would be coming for political and military reasons. That's not what Jesus came. Instead, He came to die. To lay down his life, they are expecting someone to be head and shoulders above everybody, big and strong and handsome, much like yours truly, right? <laughs> not quite so much. It says that there's nothing about him that anyone would even desire him, that anyone would want him. There's nothing about him on the outside that made them go, "Oh yeah, look at him. That's the guy. That's their redeemer. There. Just look at him." It's not there. In verse 3, it says he is despised. Y'all know what it means to despise something? It means to loathe and detest. Despise. I mean, you hate it. You can't stand it. You don't even want to be near him. Some of us got folks that we despise. We know how that feels. We know what that's like. And that's what the Lord felt. The Bible tells us that he came unto his own, his own received him not. They didn't want him. He dis- was despised and rejected of men. And here on Palm Sunday, we're talking about, aren't they accepting him? A few would, but there would be a larger crowd and a larger crowd, and even a larger crowd today that does not want Jesus, does not know Jesus, and wants to crush anyone and everything that looks like Jesus. People don't have a problem celebrating false and pagan religions. They have no problem promoting Muhammad, who is a, a pedophile and a pervert. But don't want to mention Jesus because that's offensive. Jesus is offensive to those who don't know Him because when we see Jesus and even just at His name, we realize that there is something different. We realize in His name there is power, there is holiness, there is righteousness, there is judgment, but yet there is also, for those of us who know Christ, we know that there is love and mercy and grace and peace. We know that there is much more than just a judge, but as He judges, He is a just judge. The world despises and rejects Christ. They did then, they do now. And they'll continue to do so. Today, I want you to know, there's never been a better time than to trust Christ than now. How often we see folks in our family and our friends, we see this culture despise and reject Him. And this is what Jesus went through. You want to talk about suffering? There's nobody that wanted Him. A man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. Acquainted with the idea of like a friend. He knows it. If anybody knows what it means to sorrow and to be sorrow filled and anybody knows what it means to be grieving, it's Jesus. The whole time he's walking around his brethren. Uh, The whole time he's healing people who are of Israel. Who he had called and he had known and they had chosen. but They despise and reject him. All the while carrying the weight knowing that he's not going to come and triumph militarily or kick the Romans out or, or be loved by all the people, but rather be despised by the people, and then lay down His life for these same folks and to bear the wrath of the weight of His Father upon Him. That it, so that those who have sinned against Him, those who have rebelled against Him, would not have to taste or drink of that cup, but that Christ would drink it for us. He says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. As that beast of burden carries the coats and carries Jesus there on that Palm Sunday, Jesus upon the cross carries not only our sins, but our griefs and our sorrows and our burdens. He takes what does not belong to Him upon Himself, so that you and I can take upon His righteousness which does not belong to us. It's alien to us. It's foreign to us. As sin is so foreign to Jesus and all of His holiness and beauty, so His righteousness is so foreign to us as sinful man. But the great exchange at the cross is that He takes on our sin. He bears what we cannot carry. He pays for what we cannot purchase so that you and I then can be clothed in His righteousness of which we could never attain, which we could never earn, which we could never buy or, or get in any way. He says, yet we did esteem Him stricken, of God, so, uh, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Pay attention to that. We'll see it over in Peter in a moment. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his, her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many For He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He hath poured out His soul into death. And He was numbered with the transgressors. And He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We notice in Isaiah 53 such a deep, powerful passage of Scripture that lays out in the Old Testament exactly who Jesus is who Jesus was, what Jesus would do, what would be accomplished, who it would be accomplished for. It preaches the Gospel. And by the way, the Gospel's all throughout this. Everything points to Christ and what He has accomplished for sinners to redeem us to God, to make peace through the blood of His cross. Back over in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to see this Word that appeared several times in Isaiah 53. I hope you noticed it. Who in His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. That word bear was there several times in Isaiah 53. That He bore. He bore. He bore. He would bear. He would bear. Who His own self bear our sins. What it means to bear our sins. To bear something much like that beast of burden would carry another's burdens all of its days, would carry the coats and would carry Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus Christ bore our sins. Sins did not belong to Him. wasn't His burden. Yet He carried it anyways. But what this means is literally to be placed upon. It means to take a load and to put it onto something, right? Same way with my white Chevy pickup out there. If I wanted to go to the dump, You know what I can do? I can put it on the back of my truck. I can load it up. And it can bear some weight. Only but so much. But it can bear some weight. And then I can take it to the dump. And I can drop it off. And I can bring it back. And I can have it bear some more stuff. It means to take a load that one cannot bear and to place upon another. What has happened is that we find perhaps the most simple of things but the greatest thing that you and I can ever know, and it is this, that in His own self, bear our sins in His own body. The sins in your body, the sins of your mind, the sins of your heart, the sins of my body and my mind and my heart, past, present, and future, the load of which has driven me downward that I cannot get to God, I cannot take this burden off, Uh, much, Much like in the Pilgrim's Progress, this is someone who has a burden that he can't get off. There's nothing that we can do. We can't take off of our sinfulness. We can't be religious enough, good enough. We can't give enough. We can't be baptized enough. There's nothing we can do to get this burden lifted. But Jesus does it for us. Jesus takes the sin that belongs to me and to you he says, I got it. And He places it upon Himself. Our burden of sin became His burden of sin there at that cross. The burden and the price of which we could not bear or pay, He took upon Himself as if it were His own. And it became His own. He who knew no sin became sin. It's not just that He took on your backpack full of sin. It's that He became every filthy sin that you've ever committed. He became the sin curse itself. And He was accursed. Accursed by God for us and because of us. He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. That old rugged cross. Jesus becomes a beast of burden to carry our sins away living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day he does this takes on this load that we being dead to sins should live And not just be alive, but live unto righteousness. And this righteousness is not our own. Whereas He bears our sins and our load that we can't uh, carry becomes His and is placed upon Him. We now have something placed upon us. And His burden and yoke is easy and light. It is His righteousness, an alien righteousness, one that we could not earn, one that we could not muster up, one that we cannot even fathom. Is placed upon us. And then now, those of us who are in Christ, when God looks at you, He no longer sees you. He sees the righteousness of His Son. He no longer sees a single sin that you've ever committed. Not one. Not one. Not one sin. There is therefore now no condemnation. Can anyone or anything separate us from the love of God? There is nothing and no one. There on that cross, I want you to know what the Lord saw. The Lord, as He looks at His Holy Son, sees sin itself. He becomes a curse for us. He takes our place. And the wrath of Almighty God is now poured out upon Him so that it would not be poured out upon you and I. But I want you to know, if you have never bowed your knee to Christ, if you have never repented and trusted Jesus alone, the wrath of God still yet abides upon you. You must repent. You must repent lest you perish. I want you to know God is not some mean God who wants to see that happen to you. Rather, instead, He punished His own Son so that you would be declared righteous by simply trusting in that work. He punished His own Son for sins that you committed. He bruised His Son and allowed His Son to become sin, your sin, so that you could live, so that you might not die, so that you would have eternal life. This is a gift of the grace of God. We should live under righteousness. He says, by whose stripes you were healed. Notice in this passage how much of Isaiah 53 we've heard about the whole thing. His stripes were healed. Now this is not dealing necessarily with some sort of physical healing. This is dealing with we're spiritually made whole and well. That which was dead is now brought forth and called to life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. By his stripes, we are healed. Once and for all. Past, present, future. And one day, we'll experience that day where there will be no more need of a physical healing ever again. No more need of a cough drop. No more need of a tissue. No more need of goodbyes and funeral homes. No more need of hospitals, doctors' offices, and nursing homes. For the One who bought our price and bore our sin upon His own body, in His own body, upon that tree, we'll get to see Him and know Him face to face. He says in verse 25, For ye were as sheep going astray. The way that this is written is it's literally sheep that are not just got lost one time, but they're going, they're going, going gone. They're in the process of wandering. And what does Jesus tell us about himself here? He says, But now you're returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I want to focus on shepherd and bishop and we'll be done. We were going astray. But the shepherd leaves the 99, comes and gets a sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus, the true shepherd. Jesus, my shepherd. Tells us in John chapter 10 that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him because they hear his voice and they hear it. They listen and they follow him. Tells us that he loses none. Tells us, as we just sung a little while ago, that there's nothing and no one that can pluck a sheep out of his hand. And as that good shepherd, he's the one that does the seeking. It's the sheep that's gone wandering and he does the finding. And with that shepherd's staff that he uses to fend off the enemy, he also uses to bring his sheep back into the fold. And that good shepherd brings us in. And, and here, bishop, it's used in other parts, and, and the word is where we get overseer from. Later on, it's used in dealing with uh, those who are called to, to the pastoral ministry. But here specifically, the bishop of our souls. It doesn't just mean to oversee and to lord over, as it might sound. You know what it means? means to care for, to be concerned with. What does that tell me? Jesus cares for my soul. He's the one that is a shepherd and bishop who is ever taking watchful care over his sheep. He is not just over his sheep or lording over his sheep. He is Lord. But you know something? He cares for a sheep. He is the bishop in that it, it is to protect and to preserve so as the shepherd also draws a sheep in the bishop or the shepherd also drives the enemy out he protects us and preserves us because he cares for us there are many in here today who have probably been saved for a long time but maybe you've forgotten that Jesus is the real burden bearer. And you've been bearing a burden that you can't carry any longer. You might have already had your sin carried away and thank God for that. You've been saved. Hallelujah for that. But maybe today, you've forgotten that Jesus is much more than just our Redeemer. He's the shepherd and bishop of your soul. And just as Jesus... Rode in on that beast of burden. He became the beast of burden for us to die and to bear the weight of our sin. But as well, as He is called in Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He cares about your griefs. Jesus cares about your sorrows. Jesus cares about every tear you've ever shed. Jesus cares about your heart and He desires to preserve you, to protect you, and He will not lose you if you are His sheep. But He does desire this. That you'd stop trying to carry things that you don't belong carrying. You'd stop trying to carry things that you can't carry. That you'd stop trying to do a work that only Jesus is able to truly do. Jesus does not put a burden upon us, but rather lifts the burden. I want you to know it should be a joy to follow Jesus. And it's a joy not because of who I am and what I've done, or who you are and what you've done, and it's certainly not because of life's circumstances, but it's because we have found a shepherd and bishop of our souls. He has borne our sins, but He as well has borne our sorrows. Today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you would have the greatest burden and the biggest burden that you've got in your life right now, and that is your sin, that you would have it lifted at Calvary that you would have it lifted by simply trusting in the finished work of Jesus, that He bore your sins in His own body upon that tree, that He has risen again. Hallelujah. That's, That's the gospel. That's the good news, that you can't carry it, but Jesus already has just trust in Him. But secondly, to those of you who know the Lord, maybe this morning you've got a burden on your heart. You've got something that you can't carry no more. Would you give that and lay it down to the shepherd and bishop of your soul because he cares for you. Let's all stand this morning. As this piano plays here in just a moment, y'all come. This altar's open. If you have a need, come. Give it to Christ. Let Him carry your burden. Let Him be the one to take your place that's who he is it's what he does it's what he's done at Calvary and it's what he still does for his saints today if you need to be saved come I'll take the Bible and show you Christ you can simply crawl out to him and he'll save you but to those of you who know Christ today if your heart is heavy come and have it lifted by Jesus